where it's at. I got two Dan tables and a microphone. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Where It's At. I'm your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my co-host. Dangerous Dan Hornstein. I'm not going to say that ever again. <laughs> I thought that was going to be funny. Let's start over. <laughs> no, we're keeping that. No, fuck. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't like heard us before, this podcast is very dangerous. It's two dudes talking about it's music. It's dangerous. <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> uh, yeah, on this podcast, Dan and I each pick an album for the week. We listen to it, and then we navigate the minefield of the music, the danger, and then we talk about it, and then we share our controversial opinions. Okay, our opinions <laughs> aren't really that controversial. <laughs> Yeah, like, where's the controversy there? He didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Underscore Pockets, and you can find Dan at... Dwight Privilege. And you can also send us an email at wherepod at gmail.com. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to introduce a new segment here in the podcast called first impressions. This segment is where we just each take a minute or two. We pick an album that is new or an album or an EP that is new that neither that, that, you know, we have never heard before. And then we just give our first impression of it. So Dan, what did you pick for first impressions? And what did you think about it? For first impressions, I picked the new record by the band 68. The record is called Give One, Take One. The 68 is a noise punk duo, is how they are described on Wikipedia from Atlanta, Georgia. I got into them because it's the guitarist and vocalist, although it used to be just vocalist for the band The Chariot, mm-hmm. which is super heavy, oh, yeah. heavy, um, noisy kind of metal band from the early 2000s. And listening to their new record, um, it's, I, I thought it was pretty good. It's not as good as their first album that came out, which is called two part one, two part Viper, Mm -hmm. but this new record, give one, take one. It still has a lot more of the same kind of qualities of it. Um, but overall I felt like it just didn't have the bite of the first record. And I I think when listening to it, it's, it's got some good songs in it. Some of the, the highlights for me were songs like lovers and death and the knife, the knife, the knife. Um, But overall, there was something about the production of this record that I thought just kind of didn't really sell it all for me. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just because this 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 album's got a lot of reverb on it. Um, A lot of reverb on the vocals, a lot of reverb on the guitar. I think even some reverb on the drums going on. Whereas that first record was a little drier and you could hear some of the like oomph and the Uh bass. And it was just really, uh, you know, this is... but. Overall, it's a band that um, I, I get the feeling like they would be a lot of fun to see live. It's a three beard review for me. I, okay. I, I think it's a good record. It's it's above average for me, but definitely not as good as some of their early so, efforts. What about you? I picked the EP Grim Value by the alternative rock band Eve Six. Now, the Eve Six has been around forever. Uh, they're a band from Southern California. Interestingly enough, they got their name from one of my favorite TV shows, The X-Files. In one of the first few seasons, there was a character, this creepy little girl, and her name was Eve Six, and there was a bunch of clones, and they were like Eve, one, two, three, four, five, six, and they did all sorts of creepy stuff. Uh, they got their name from that, and oh my gosh, they were not even half as good as that episode of The X-Files. I love that show. I love that episode. I've never been a huge fan of E6, but I even thought, you know what? I've felt really nostalgic lately. 
I'm going to give this EP a shot. Uh, the first song, Black Nova, isn't half bad. I will give it that. Now, I will say this, and I've said this before about EPs. Most of the time, EPs are one good song with a bunch of trash that the band <laughs> knew was trash, but they're like, hey, we'll just put it out anyway. And that's exactly what this is. It's five tracks. The first one is meh. I mean, maybe a little better than meh. It's, it's okay. But then the rest of them, I was just like, I cannot wait till this is over. It's, it's a one beard for me. It's typical Eve six, like alternative punky, rocky things, same type of singing, same type of song structure. It's if you've heard E six, if you've heard pop punk, power punk, rock punk from the nineties and two thousands, it's is what it is. It's dudes trying to, you know, still capture the essence of a genre that's long dead in my opinion. Yeah. So did you get a chance to listen to 68? Yeah, it's what it's, was your what did you think about that? It's not my thing. It wasn't bad. I would give it like a three beards. So yeah. I it's and I listened to Eve six as well. And uh, I felt like Eve six was uh, I, I ended up giving it like a three because it was better than I thought it was going to be. Really? I hated Eve six in the 90s. Really? I was not a fan of um, what is Inside Out was their big track. Yeah. Hated that song. Uh, it was in a cover band. They made me play it. I got tired of it so fast and I never listened to them again. And so this felt like going back and, and if somebody was like, hey, you should really listen to some of the deep cuts from Marcy Playground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I've I've done, and right. surprisingly, like yeah, I was I was I was impressed that both of them could write a song as good as they could. Will I go back to this? Probably not. Will right. I go back to sixty eight? Maybe, mm, but yeah, just kind of overall, I think both of them were were just a little bit of below average for me. Yeah, it's it was, I w- I was hoping for more. And what have I said in this podcast? When I get my hopes up, most unless it's an artist that I know and love, most of the time I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of disappointment, let's get into Sniggles. Oh <laughs> shit! Yeah, and I want to kick it off. Um, I picked a I picked an artist called Ghost. Uh-huh. Their new song Coven, uh, which is on a record that is about to come out, and boy, what a just. I mean, it's fine. You know what an what an okay just kind of yeah it's their kind of record um ghost is a they're they're labeled as kind of a synth wave artist um it's it's supposed to be spelled g-o-s capital t at uh-huh. the end um and it's it's described as music that channels the occult 80s slasher flicks and john carpenter all things that i'm a big fan of i mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff i like that vibe a lot but listening to this sniggle coven there's just zero about this that i haven't already heard a hundred times from a hundred already other artists there's nothing original about it i mean I wrote down, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just kind of there is very bleh. Doesn't the song doesn't really go anywhere. It, it's got that kind of gothy vibe. I, I got into the groove a little bit of it. I enjoyed that somewhat, but you know, overall big time missing the mark for me. Two beards. Okay. I, I listened to it and I felt like this was uh, a song that these guys came up with when they were like watching a bunch of like cyberpunk movies. And they were just like, dude, this movie is so cool. Let's write a song about it. That's just like the impression I got. And it was very predictable, kind of blase. The groove was kind of fun in some parts, but there wasn't anything different or unique about it. So I wasn't very impressed with it. And I gave it a one. 
I, yeah, I just wasn't, uh, I wasn't, it, it didn't do anything for me. Nothing stood out. It was just another meh, like cyberpunk esque industrial orgy style nineties song. Like I, I heard some elements of orgy in there, some elements of industrial like rock and stuff. And in the vocals, yeah. a lot of like the, or- yeah. And that's, I got more of the, 80s gothy kind of vibes from that like yeah. Bauhaus and Bella Lugosi's dead and that kind of track um but again that kind of stuff has been done before there's there's other and there's other current bands that are doing it better yeah yeah it was just very uninspiring or very yeah so um i for my sniggle this week i picked uh, an artist i never heard of Rome in Silver and his single like you I randomly found this just surfing through iTunes, looking for new music. And I was really, really into it. Uh, the thing he does with the vocals there, I don't know what it's called. I probably should know. Cause I love it. But like when someone takes the vocals and they just jack the octaves up and it's like really high, sounds like Mickey mouse or something. That's I think it's way. called chipmunking chipmunking. Yes. That's, that's kind of the a, official name for it. That's close enough. It, it sounded really good. The vocals sound really good. It, the, it's got a good beat to it. I enjoyed it. It was stuck in my head for several days. Um, it's a fun electronic ump beat, like happy song. I gave mm-hmm. it four beards. I was, I was right there with you. I, I, the thing I liked about this song, the groove of it is, is terrific. Yeah. Um, the little xylophone yep. part that kind of carries it was unexpected. I didn't, I didn't see that coming and I was really pleasantly surprised by that. the, Part of it reminded me of on the first go around, uh, there's a song called Sleepyhead by that band Passion Pit that's like kind of an indie song. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of that a lot. And I used to love that song when it came out. And then I started looking back, and that song came out back in like 2008 and used <laughs> that same kind of chipmunk vocal technique where it's, it's yeah. sped up an octave or it's, it's punched up an octave. And the more I started to think about that, the more I started to think about all the other songs that I've heard that use that and how this is really, to me, it's starting to get to that point where it's a little overdone. I, I enjoyed it with this song, but just as a general rule, mm-hmm. the vocals up and the vocals down, I'm, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> but I thought that it worked pretty well for this track. So I ended up giving it a three out of five beards, I thought overall it was pretty good, but I have heard stuff that's a little bit better. Yeah. So like, uh, like you by Roman silver, good track. Uh, I was actually disappointed that there wasn't like an EP with a few more good songs or like an album. So, you know, that's what I was hoping for. I was like, Oh, it's just a single. So what did you pick for your album this week, Dan? Well, it'll be a cool band to keep an eye on for Roman silver. If they come up with some more stuff, I'd be more than happy to review it. Oh yeah. So for my album this week, I was really excited around this time last week when we were recording last week's episode, because the new Fear Factory record had just dropped. And I went back and when when I was listening to our last episode just to get ready for this one, mm-hmm. I, I heard I was I was so hopeful. And I think I had listened to it once through already and I was really excited for this record. Um Fear Factory, if you if you listen to the last uh episode, you'll know Fear Factory is a band I got into when I was in high school with uh through a friend a good friend of mine george turner at the time uh who had a copy of d manufacturer and we used to listen to d manufacturer and then they came out with their 
other 90s release, Obsolete. I bought Obsolete and listened to those records a bunch. One of the things that I always really liked about Fear Factory, they've, they first of all, the band's been around for forever. They started in like 1989. They're out of California. They're, I don't think I would call them death metal. I don't know if I would call them industrial metal, but they have a lot of traits of that together. Mm-hmm. There's a good mix of uh, industrial sampling and, and kind of that electronic vibe that's always per kind of penetrated their music and gone through and, and been a part of it. In fact, that's one of the big things that, that set Demanufacturer apart when it came out from all the other bands was they were really good at doing that better than most bands. Um, but for me, what's always impressed me about Fear Factory has been a couple of things. I've always very much thought that rhythmically they are insanely creative. And what I mean by that is the, the, connection between uh, Dino Cazares, their guitar player, and their drummers, uh, they've had a few of them along the way, has always been so unbelievably tight. And there's some really fast metal stuff going on there. And a lot of it's like, and it's done so tight. This is a band that is precise. They've always played with precision. Also, along with that is they're, they've got a pretty unique vocalist to me with Burton Bell, who has he, he he's really you know you and i have talked before about bands that come out that are uh heavier bands that are kind of modern gent bands that do the screaming during the verse and then the chorus comes and you got to make the chorus sound clean with your vocals right so that it's got a sing-along kind of quality to it and i i the more i listened to this record and kind of re re uh, remembered old fear factory pe- stuff from the past the more i feel like this band is owed a little more credit for that kind of stuff. They really did that mm-hmm. style and helped to get it popular. But the difference is to me, Burton Bell has a little bit of a better voice when he, or a little more of a unique voice. Let me say that it's not necessarily better, but his voice is so unique. His clean singing voice that it makes this band instantly recognizable. So oh, that definitely. if you're not sure who it is, once you get to that part, you're going to go, Oh yeah, that's fear factory right out of the bait, right out of the gate. So, um, as I said from our last record, it's a little bit of a bittersweet record coming out because like immediately after they released it, I read online that Burton quit the band and I don't know if they're going to release anything or tour or get a new singer. It, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever really been a good example of a band that's gotten a new singer that I've, I've just automatically gone. Yeah, that's okay. Except for the one we talked about, the little dude from journey. Yeah. Um, that was the only time. And that was because he could, he could really mimic yeah. Steve Perry so well. Um, so for, for Burton Bell to, to quit fear factory, it, I would imagine this is going to be their last thing. The name. So that's my long setup. <laughs> Sorry for the long intro. The album is called aggression continuum and it's their first record in six years since their last record, Gen Exus, in 2015, which I've listened to their their later stuff. You know, they've got three records that kind of came out uh, that I thought were just okay. There's Digimortal, there's mm. G- The Industrialist in 2012, Gen Exus in 2015. So, you know, the, the, the 2000s and the 2010s, I always thought weren't that hot for Fear Factory. And my taste had shifted in music and I wasn't that, that into it. I was pretty excited listening to this first record when it came out and and up until we really started to dig into it. I can say that the honeymoon period is over for me. (laughs) 
And by the end of this week, I was kind of over it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so I've got this, I've got this weird passive aggressive sense with this record. Um, I'm going to get into some specifics, but before I do that, uh, what were your, what were your thoughts on it overall? So this to me sounded initially, I was like, okay, this is fear factory. Um, it was nice to see that they hadn't tried too much. Like sometimes it's cool to see a band where they're like, Oh, I want to, the band wants to progress and grow and make like their own thing. Like Deftones has done for 20 years. These guys stuck with what they know, stuck with what they do well. And they've done it well. Um, I was never a huge fan of fear factory, but I was like, okay, they have some decent tracks. I will say like the first half of this record hits hard. Yeah. And the guitar- I think that's probably what got me. Like, like when I first started listening to it, it comes out of the gate swinging. Yeah. You know, I listened to this in my car. I got 14 speeding tickets. <laughs> so, <laughs> just kidding. No, it was, it was really, I really liked the guitar work. Uh, the heaviness of it was great. Uh, but as the album went on after about the halfway point, it just kind of diminished more and more and more. Uh, mm-hmm. It became less catchy, less memorable. Um, it was, like I said, it wasn't something I was like immediately like, Ooh, I can listen to this and I can listen to this all day. But, uh, it, it came off as fear factory with a little bit more gent thrown into it. Yeah. There's some more, there's a little bit of modern influence on some stuff coming in, coming through. You yeah. can tell his, he's probably using a lower guitar, like a seven or an eight string now. Yeah. Whereas in, I think he was using a seven string in the nineties. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I never really got that. Uh, into it. And, and even then with some of the heavier stuff, the, the real shining light in this whole album for me is how well it was produced. This is a really well done record. The drums are up in the mix, which really draws in and accents, not only the energy of the group, but that rhythm that I was talking about, the connection between Dino and whoever their drummer is now. Cause I think they change it like every record, but even then they've changed drummers so many times. It's like spinal tap, but they've always gotten a drummer that fits and sounds consistent with whoever their predecessor was. Yeah. And that was the thing that got me about this record was when it's, when I started to have that turning point of, I don't know if I'm, I'm enjoying this as much. Mm -hmm. It was really because the biggest challenge that I had with this is if I were to, if I, went a number of years. And if I wasn't as familiar as I was, if you were to play this and then songs from like obsolete, which came out in 96 back to back, I don't think I'd be able to tell what the difference is. I couldn't (laughs) tell a song for another. And so while it is, it's comforting to have a band that doesn't try a lot of new stuff. Like you were talking about at the same time, I don't need a new fear factory record because I've got the ones that I, I know already. Right. Um, so there, there were a couple of things I liked. Um, I, I thought the highlights for it, I really enjoyed fuel injected suicide machine. It's so cheesy. <laughs> it's so corny, but it had this like really cool pop influence at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a first time I've heard a guitar solo in a fear factory song on the track monolith, which was kind of interesting to hear. I liked the way they introduced some of the glitchy production towards the end of the record. Um, like on the song into the line, into line, the one that closes it out, uh, which had a really cool dune mm-hmm. reference at the end of it too, with the whole fear is the mind killer thing. I thought that was all right. Mm-hmm. And then, but other than that, 
you know, one of the things that, that Fear Factory struggles with, and I think the reason why they never got as much attention, they've always kind of been a sci-fi band. Yeah. To me, like they're, they're comic books. They're, they are sci-fi. They're, they're a little bit nerd culture. And so they've always sung about machinery and, you know, stuff that could have been in the matrix and post-apocalyptic stuff. And, and so the lyrically, you know, as from the best that I could tell, this was just right in line with typical fear factory stuff. Um, so nothing to say there (laughs) except for if you like that kind of sci-fi shit, you'll like this too. I don't know. Overall, I'm going to end up giving it right at a three. This was a little bit above average for me, but, um, I'm, I'm, probably done with this record for a long time. <laughs> I gave it a two and a half. It's just right there at average for me. The The intro track kind of just, uh, I was like, oh, okay, we're going for more sci-fi stuff. And I was just like, that kind of took away from it a little bit. I feel like it would have been better served. The, or the album would have been better served. It just came in with music. But he yeah. comes, and I was just like, mm. he does the talking thing. He does. We've yeah. talked about that yeah. like, on numerous occasions. Okay. Yeah. That's already like a swing and a miss. Yeah. And I, I'm a little more forgiving if it's in a, if I know it's like a sci-fi band. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm still like, dude, it's corny. Yeah. Like, don't do it. I, I just like, I, I hear that. And I just, in my mind's eye, I start seeing like John Travolta in battlefield earth, like one of the worst <laughs> movies ever. And I'm like, Oh yeah. shit. I can't get this image out of my head now. <laughs> That's pretty funny. What did you, what would you do if I was like, dude, I love battlefield earth. I, like I have the blu-ray collector's edition next week. We're going to sign by Travolta. Yeah. As my new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I I am proud of myself, though. I've actually seen all of Battle. I made it through the whole movie. I barely made it through the whole movie. Barely. Barely. It was bad. <laughs> I'll be, uh, and I'll tell, well, I'll tell you something else. It's not my least favorite John Travolta movie either. Oh, jeez. I think he's done worse shit. <laughs> I think he's done worse stuff. He did that movie where he was like the angel that smokes cigarettes. Ooh, I never saw that. It's called Michael. That's a worse movie than Battlefield Earth to me. Wow. I'm, I'm just saying in the whole Travolta catalog, mm-hmm. if we're be if if we're really just being fair to the man, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here, <laughs> Battlefield Earth is like a four out of ten, and he's got some threes and twos um, <laughs> in my book. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I, I could talk about face off and John Travolta for a while. So let's just move on. <laughs> we'll do that weird thing. We'll start doing that weird thing where he like runs his face, hands yeah. over the face of his kids. <laughs> like that's in the first scene of the movie. And I remember watching that in high school. I was like, what the fuck is wrong? Exactly. With this guy? Exactly. <laughs> like, like who is this goober? Who the fuck? That's weird. And yeah. Gross. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Um, like, dude, you just have fries. You're wiping fry oil on my face. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm so glad my dad wasn't like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's like, not even like a hugger. He's like, nope, I'll fist bump you. <laughs> We're good. Okay. So yeah. All right. So that's, that's it for fear factory. I do want to mention two other songs that I thought were good other than fuel injected suicide machine. And that is uh disruptor was cool. And I really liked aggression continuum, the title track. Okay. That, those those were pretty good too. So this week I picked for my album, I picked The Grand by Cascade, the mixed version. It is a dance album, so it's mixed. It's 18 tracks just mixed all the way through. So you listen to it, it's seamless. Uh, Cascade is originally from Chicago. 
He's a DJ and record producer and remixer. And uh, he started actually DJing back in 1995, back in Chicago, after he got done with his mission for the Mormons. And he's still a practicing Mormon. So that was actually pretty interesting to know. Cascade is his uh, real name is Ryan Radden. Uh, I heard about him when he lived in San Francisco for a while and did a bunch of shows there. I never saw him, but I heard about his music and I instantly got hooked on it because it's it's a lot of house, progressive house, deep house, and down tempo music. He's got a very signature sound that he has, which I've always enjoyed. I haven't enjoyed all of his work, but this is my favorite work of his by far. This whole album is songs either he wrote himself and did on his own albums or songs he produced for other artists or songs of other artists that he liked that he just remixed. And so he said in the interview one day, he was like, why don't I just take all these songs that I really dig and I just do a mix album. And so he kind of just came together with this. And to me, this is just a banger. It starts off the first three tracks are kind of just seamless. They go through uh, the tracks. One and three are songs from his albums. And it's sandwiched in between is uh, the song With You Forever by Panal, which I call affectionately the Junk Australian song because yes. <laughs> Panal is a electronic group from Australia. And the vocals, whoever they got to do the vocals, because it's not the normal vocalist for Pinnell, because I've heard I've heard a lot of their other music, and they have a really cool vocalist. I forget his name, but he's he's got a great voice. But this sounds just like a bunch of drunk bogans in Australia, just like <laughs> bogans is like Australian slang for white trash. So um, <laughs> it sounds like a bunch of bogans out in the outback, just drunkily singing around a fire. <laughs> Short for let bogans be bogans. Yes. <laughs> And uh, it's a great song. It's don't get me wrong. Like it's a great song. His remixes of it is great. The lyrics are kind of nonsensical. It don't make sense. And they're constantly slurring their words, but it's, (laughs) it's fun. It's my favorite track on the album by far. It's a ton of fun. And it just, to me, this album, it feels like it, it, it kind of will like pick you up and then it carry when it carries into the next track, he did a good job of like blending the tracks together. And mm-hmm. there's a few lower points where like the song transitions into something else. And when I mean low point, I don't mean low is in bad. I mean, low is in like the, 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 the energy level comes down. Like so he knows it gives when you to like bring a, it down. Yeah. Which is, which is nice because you've been on this high energy thing for maybe like 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes. And then it like brings it down to give you like a little bit of a rest. You're like, Oh, okay. And you can like kind of just relax and soak in it for a little bit before it ramps back up again. And then it comes down at the end with the remix of the plum song. Uh, what is it? What a, oh, I forgot the name of it. Hold on. It's uh, In My Arms. Uh, mm-hmm. I never really liked that song, period. But I like the remix, and I felt like he jazzed it up with the remix. So like I, the original one, I was not a fan of. But I was like, oh, okay, this is fun. But it, it ends on that kind of like mellow note. And it's still got the good you know driving beat to it. But the song's way chilled out and mellowed out, which is to me, a really fun way to like end the album. It doesn't end it like all like excited. It like brings it back down to like, let you go smoothly and softly kind of a thing. Uh, what were your thoughts on it, Dan? I got to be really honest with you. Mm -hmm. I had a very busy week. (laughs) I did get to listen to this record several times. Mm -hmm. 
but I had to fa- I had to find time with it. And the only way that I could find time with it that was really effective for me was this was my exercise record this week. <laughs> And it was very effective. Oh, sure. uh, I had some really good workouts. I, <laughs> I, I like to go on long bike rides mm-hmm. and this was fantastic bike riding music. So about three or four times this week, I took it out on bike rides. Uh, the other times I put it on was when I was just doing like, like weight training and stuff. So as I went through, a, you know, about on the third or fourth go round of this throughout the week, I, I realized that there were a lot of times where I had this on and my concentration, my level of focus would fade in and out. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have as honest of a review for this as I probably should, but with dance music in general and music that's done like this, there's that element that of, of it where it feels like it should be kind of in the background anyway. Yeah. No, you're right. So I wasn't too critical on myself <laughs> for, uh, for missing the boat on that. I just did. I wanted to be honest about that. One of the, so the other thing that that told me when I started to listen to this was, um, this is set, the reason why I was able to let this go into the back of my consciousness was, um, it's so cohesive to your point, how well he ties everything together mm-hmm. on repeated listens. I really try to be mindful of that. And, and what I would do is like, I'd put the phone hand in my bike. I'd like have my earbuds in, I'd close my screen out. So I'm not sure what track number I'm on. Mm-hmm. And I would let it go for about 10, 15 minutes. And then I would check and see, Oh, and I'm, I'm three tracks and I'm four tracks in, but it felt like nothing because it flowed so well into one another. And that's one of the things I really enjoyed about this. I felt this is a little bit different. So I felt like the record itself has a far superior back half than the front half of the record. Okay. It's a, it's a good start, but it really towards the last half of the record is when I feel like the songs started to build upon themselves Mm -hmm. and start to make more of that. um, Well, let me rephrase instead of start to make more the way that it builds upon this cells, I feel like is a critical component of what makes a good dance record. Yeah. So a good dance record to me, yeah, you're going to have these peaks and valleys of where the energy goes up and down, but from start to finish, you need to continually build up and the, it, it needs to crescendo in terms of the quality or the types of song that you're playing so that you're constantly kind of like one upping yourself. Mm-hmm. I think a good DJ set should do that. I think that a good, uh, DJ, a good album like this, a good dance record like this should do the same thing. And it's very effective in that. Um, I will say that the, the highlights of it, there were really four songs that I wrote uh, down as, as these were kind of the ones I, that really stuck with me. Uh, this is how it goes. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Need me to stay was really cool. Mm-hmm. And my arms was really cool. And then there's two versions of the song move for me, but specifically the second version, the mm-hmm. one that follows the first mm-hmm. one, it comes right after that. I thought were really, really good tracks. Um, yeah, I liked this a lot, man. Uh, I, I, it, it, I ended up giving it three and a half beards. I'm always going to be a little more critical on dance music. Um, just cause it's not my favorite genre, mm-hmm. but for dance records, uh, you know, three and a half out of 10 out of five is, is roughly what a, a seven. Yeah. So I, I think it's a good seven album. Um, yeah, three and a half for me is, it was really I, I appreciated how cohesive it was. And, uh, you know, any, I got to shout out, man, 
dance and EDM records out of any genre have the like crystal clearest production. And I know it's because everything's digital that's going into it, but even when there's like guitars woven in and they use vocals, um, these, the attention to detail on, I've yet to hear a dance record where I go, man, they really fucked that up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and specifically like where a lot of rock records are fucking up right now is in, I even I, I even watched a video about this the other day uh, about how rock music and it's being produced and it's so overly compressed right now that all the dynamic dynamics get sucked out of it. Yeah. Rick Beato, who I love his channel on YouTube, did mm-hmm. a uh, record where he you I think you and I were talking about where he um, he reviewed like the top ten metal songs mm-hmm. on Spotify right now. One of them was Fear Factory, and <laughs> uh, he had a couple of other ones. And his his common thing was the same. He's like, this is it's so the finished product is so compressed together that you don't know what's going on. You lose a lot of clarity in the music. You can't hear the different notes going on. It's it's kind of a mess and you lose any type of dynamics. So when it kicks in and it's big, it doesn't feel big. It just feels bleh. Dance music has not to me done that. I really, I, I, I'm I'm sure I probably have heard some stuff that, that, is overly compressed like that. But for the most part, they still recognize the importance of having the buildups, having the crescendos and how effective that is and what their mission is, which is to get people to dance to the record. So they haven't sacrificed that with the production. And I know I'm going on a little bit of a rant here, but it's it's always very impressive to me whenever people do that. And it's, I like that with this record, especially. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. A lot of the modern rock, is overproduced. Um, and that's one thing I do like about dance music is that it brings the clarity and all that. Like in the song Need Me to Stay, it's got that mm-hmm. that, that acoustic guitar with the guy's vocals over really the top liked, of it. Yeah. That acoustic guitar is just beautiful. And it, I it's, really like it's that. Yeah. really fun. It's a nice break in between all the dance and the powered like driving beat and everything. And it just makes everything super fun and interesting. So did you feel like the fear factory record was overly compressed? I didn't get that experience. I no, thought it was pretty good. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as some other ones I've heard recently. Yeah. Like production wise, it was a better production job than a lot of the other more modern rock stuff that we've reviewed recently. I always do chuckle a little bit though, back real quick, back to fear factory. Whenever um, metal bands use bass drops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Fear Factory has been no stranger to that. They use that all throughout their catalog, and it's always just really funny when it, when it's like it kicks in and you hear that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, it cracks me up. Yeah. So for the grand, I gave it four and a half beards. I probably should give it a five because it is probably my favorite dance. I'll give it a five. It's my favorite dance record of all time. So it's nice. a perfect album to me. It's just, it's so good. Um, I, I Definitely don't, one of the better dance records we've reviewed. Yeah. Uh, and that I've heard in a long time. Well, and to be honest with you, I don't pick like straight. I'll, I'll pick a lot of electronic albums, but straight dance albums. I don't pick a lot uh, to review because most of the time, if there's a dance album that I have listened to regularly, I only listen to maybe like half a dozen tracks on it because mm-hmm. like they just, whoever's doing the album, most of the time they're like, they put on like five or six really good songs and they just like, ah, I don't know what to throw on the end. Man, throw something else on there. And yeah. so I feel like cascade was just like, no, I'm going to do like probably I would imagine probably took his time 
like took a ton of time and just experimented a ton and, you know, figure out what works and what makes this sound the best and what flows the best. Because Mm -hmm. that's one gripe I do have about DJs. They're just like, oh, hey, I'll just throw this song with that song. Even though it's in different keys and different tempos, I'll just speed this up and slow this down. And then it's like, you're forcing together things that don't go together. <laughs> yep. I always get nitpicky about that whenever I hear people do mashups. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Girl Talk is is probably one of the exceptions. There's two that I like. Girl Talk does a good job. And that guy, Bill McClintock on YouTube, does a good job. But when you, yeah, when it's a noticeable difference where I'm like, you either, you either sped it up, you increase the tempo to the point where it's comical Mm -hmm. or you raise the pitch of it to the point where it's comical or lowered it, uh, to meet the needs of the other song that you're matching it to, or that you're, you're mashing up with. Yeah. I, I'm always going to, I'm going to walk away going, eh, you missed something there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like that. Whereas, um, God, what did I hear the other day that was that was so good? Somebody did a, a version of um it's like Michael Jackson's The Way You Make Me Feel, I think, and This Is America by Childish Gambino. And it was perfect. And like so the flip side of that is same thing with for DJs. Whenever you have like those mashup artists, when they can nail it and they can get it really good. Mm-hmm. I'm all in. I want to get that. I want to listen to it all the day. You know, like, like the, the probably two like most effective songs I've heard with mashups was like the one I just referenced. And then uh, years ago, I heard a version where somebody took 50 cent in the club mm-hmm. and just took the vocal track, but put it over closer by nine inch nails. Uh-huh. And that was the most badass. like that shit banged fucking harder <laughs> than anything I've ever heard in my entire life. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like whoever did that deserves an award. Um, so I'm with you on that one. And I agree. It was a long road just to say, yes, Mark, I agree. Uh, <laughs> some, my bad. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, so yeah, those are our albums, our singles and our first impressions. Uh, if you're out there and you have any opinions that are, you know, agreeing with us, send us an email at wearpod at gmail.com or you can find Dan on Instagram at white privilege you can find me on instagram at mr underscore pockets 21 and uh if you disagree with us you can keep it to yourself okay no i'm just kidding if you disagree <laughs> and you come back and you're like hey i like that fear factory record more than you did yeah i'm gonna go yeah okay that's cool i'm glad you liked it if you disagree and you come back and you're like dan that fear factory record was worse than you said i'll probably be like yeah you're probably right too <laughs> <laughs> so this week it's kind of okay this was this was my kind of recurring theme for the week was it's fine yeah it's okay so uh next week we're gonna do listener suggestions Listener Appreciation Week. Yeah, Listener Appreciation (laughs) Week. So for the albums next week, we are going to do Hail Stand by Periphery. They're both like modern metal rock albums. And the other one is uh, Divisions by Starset. So um, I haven't picked a single for that yet. I've picked my first impression, but I'll leave that for next week. So at least the the meat of next week's episode, most of it is going to be Listener Appreciation Week. And so, yeah, if you're out there and you have anything you want us to review, throw us some suggestions. Were these references from, were these recommendations from two separate listeners? Uh-huh. Okay, so we might lose both of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to know what the stakes are. What's on, what's on the line here uh, before yeah. we dig into this. <laughs> It'll be fun. I get so critical about new rock music, especially. I'm very tough on it. 
Yeah, I can be too. There's although I have. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I have heard Periphery, and I, I like Periphery a lot. Periphery, I will say they they have a song not on this record that we're gonna do that I love called. Flat well, then why are you talking about? I'm just kidding. It's fantastic, but yeah, we're gonna do Hail Stan. I have I've listened to like maybe like the first song or two from Hail Stan, so it'll be nice to do a deep dive, do the whole thing, and do the whole Star Set album, and Hell sit yeah. down and give an honest review. And we'll be back again with Sniggles and our first impressions mm-hmm. for the week two, which um, I'm okay leaving those as, yeah. as kind of like wait, wait and see yeah. uh, kind of things. You know, if you, if you listen, you'll find out what it is. Maybe yeah. teaser. Mm. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>